Hello friends, future friends, haters, and ex-lovers. Welcome back to another episode of Crimes of the Heart. I'm your host, Rory Uphold, and today is a solo cast, which, holy shit, freaks me out. That's right. I am currently sitting in my living room, sweating, talking to no one, knowing that literally anyone and everyone can listen to this. And there's something so overwhelming and terrifying about that because what I'm about to say is so personal and it feels so scary and I feel naked and vulnerable. But as you listen to this episode, hopefully you will understand why I've decided to really lean into the vulnerability. Plus, a lot of you DM me, and I get emails and messages, and I read all of the comments you leave. By the way, as a side note, thank you to everyone who went ahead and left reviews and rated the show. I saw them. I appreciate you. In fact, my friend Maddie said to me at dinner the other day that he did not realize how easy it was to rate the show. It's truly so easy. It takes two seconds, guys. Anyway, I digress. I hear from lots of listeners all the time, and everybody seems like somebody I would want to get a drink with, so I'm just going to try and pretend like I am talking to my friends. (laughs) Here goes. This show is called Crimes of the Heart, but I've never actually shared one of my own crimes. So today I'm going to share a crime. Okay. It's something that happened to me recently and it's consumed both my head and my heart. And it's made me think about old things in new ways, which is why it felt like something that was worth sharing with all of you. But in order to understand why I've been hurting lately, we need to go back. Back to baby Rory. So, our story takes place when I am about 19 or 20 years old, and I'd just met this super smoking hot older guy named Bob. But also, we all know that his name's not really Bob, okay? Right? Okay. I remember I just thought, oh, he was the coolest. And without compromising his identity, I'll just say that he was tall, dark, and handsome, but edgy. Like he had tattoos and he drank whiskey and wore a wife beater and chain smoked when he got drunk. And look, you won't catch me dead near a cigarette now because one, health is well, and also two, it's terrible for your skin and I am obsessed with skincare. As a side note, the quickest way to clear your skin is to stop smoking. Back to the story. At the time, this guy just gave me chills. He was like if the bad boy with the chain wallet in middle school grew up and picked me. He made me feel beautiful and smart and cool and safe but dangerous. I I don't know how to explain it. I met his friends, he met mine, we went to movies, and we did all the normal things that couples do, despite the fact that I was in college and he was in his mid-twenties. And he knew LA way better than I did, despite the fact that I'm from this city. He was a bartender, and we'd sneak into bars even though I was underage, and we would drink, and then I'd spend the night at his adult apartment, and he'd take me to a cute diner the next morning, and we'd share eggs and pancakes. He was my first adult boyfriend. And even though I knew that he would never be the one, because even at the age of 20, I'd already had my heart broken, and somehow I just knew that I was destined to have many loves of my life, I also knew that I loved Bob. He was also the first man to really teach me about my body. He made me feel sexy and appreciate myself, a theme that would continue in our ever-evolving relationship. I had my first orgasm with Bob, and he made me enjoy having sex. (laughs) Go figure. I don't really remember why we broke up the first time. 
And I also don't remember how long it was before we got back together. But I do remember that he was the person I'd call when I was drunk. He was the person I'd call when I felt lonely or when I felt rowdy. Bob, in many ways, was a constant in my life. And holy shit, I just realized he might listen to this. <laughs> oh my god. Well, Bob, truly hope that you're not hearing this. Be brave. Be brave. Okay. I'll never forget this one moment on my birthday. We were broken up and I don't even know if we were talking at this point, but I must have posted on social media about my birthday and told people to come to this certain bar in Echo Park. Because when I got to the bar, Bob was waiting there for me. He was the first person to arrive. And not only that, but he showed up with a card. And when I opened the card and it said something about wishing me a happy birthday and wishing that he was back in my life, so of course that worked <laughs> because I mean, hello, I am generation rom-com. We got back together and it sounds dumb, but I look back and I go, yeah, I mean, this was the type of guy he was. He knew he wanted to be with me and he shot his shot on my birthday, knowing that I might shoot him down. And I don't know, that just was romantic as hell. He's also the guy that scaled the 10 foot metal fence to my old apartment building because my dumbass fell asleep before he could come over. And then he sat outside my door and he waited till I woke up. And when I did, he didn't even yell at me about it. It's funny as I go down memory lane because normally when I talk about Bob, I talk about our crazy sexual chemistry. Like how the first time we hooked up, we were in my car pulled over on the side of the street up in the hills by Chateau Marmont or how he's the first man I ever pegged. But looking back, it's really making me realize that he was also a romantic partner that really helped shape my formative years. This is a person that floated in and out of my life through marriages and divorces and boyfriends and breakups. And we've always managed to reconnect. He's that person in my life. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's Bob. And maybe you've listened to this and you're like, wait, what the fuck? Why are they not married? Or why did they break up so many times? And look, I think the answer is complicated. I mean, I wasn't ready to settle down when I was younger. I knew that I wanted to experience lots of stories with different people. And I did. And I also think that while he and I have a lot of love for each other, we're also really different people. I think we had different goals and different values at different times in our life. So while in many ways we were very similar and we always found each other, we're like two puzzle pieces that just slightly don't fit. And so no matter how hard we try to jam them together, he and I are not meant to be. But that doesn't mean that he's not important to me. Which brings me to today's crime. Sometime after Bob showed up at my birthday and we got back together, I met a girl who I'm going to call Alyssa. She and I had known each other for years at this point and we'd recently reconnected. And while I wouldn't say that like we were best friends, we had started to hang out fairly frequently and she was a homegirl. At least I thought. <laughs> You probably know where this is going. At a certain point, Bob wanted more from me, and we went our separate ways. Except that he was working at the same bar as Alyssa. And one day, she told me that she and Bob had a connection, and that she wanted to pursue it, and asked me if it was okay. Um, TLDR, it was not. Yeah, no, it was not okay. Look, I don't believe in calling dibs on people. I don't believe in people owning other people or any of that bullshit. No one owns anybody. We can all do our own thing. But I do believe that there are certain people in our lives who are off limits. And Bob was one of those people. I mean, Bob is one of those people. Even though we weren't together, that 
that one that never really meant much because it we were so on and off. But more importantly, too, in my heart, I was just not okay with them being together. Clearly, I was not over whatever he and I had together. So I told her no. And she did it anyway. Mm -hmm. And to be fair, so did he. But she continued to lie to my face about it until one day, Bob finally told me the truth. I felt hurt. I felt powerless and small. I felt unwanted and unworthy and just shitty. And I remember feeling my throat closing up as I tried to process the information that I had just been told. It was awful. And when I told Bob how I felt, he admitted to feeling guilty and he promised to cut things off. And he did. And unfortunately, I don't have the clearest memories of this time because my body tries to protect me from myself in moments of trauma or stress or like a lot of pain. Um, And normally I say that as a joke, but in this case, I really do think that my mind went into overdrive to protect me from the pain that I was experiencing. But I can tell you this, I downplayed the whole thing. I'm going to say that one more time. I downplayed the whole thing. I decided that it wasn't that big of a deal and I just moved on. And this is really important because we are going to circle back to this moment. So Bob and I worked things out because he was honest with me. And that's just sort of how I roll. Like if people are honest with me, we can work through things. And also because when I told him how I felt, he honored that and he set a boundary and he stuck to it. And a few years later, he was the first man I ever pegged, which I already told you. So needless to say, he and I have a lot of trust between the two of us. And while we both went on to end up in long-term relationships, and his is still going, I do consider him a friend, and I hope that he would say the same thing about me. As far as Alyssa was concerned... I kept her at an arm's length and I just never felt good about her again. But I know from friends and texts and the memories that I do have that I tried to make things cool between us, which is fucking insane. And for the record, I would never do that now, but that's what I did then. And then a couple years go by and she moves to London, she gets married, and I become a firm believer in manifestation. (laughs) I joke, but I really did want her to disappear, so I mean, not no. Anyway, the point is, she wasn't around. And when she was, it was super easy to be easy breezy cool girl because it was temporary. I knew that she wasn't in my life. She wasn't going to be around. So it was so easy for me to just be like, oh, Alyssa, Alyssa and I are cool. We're friends. No biggie. That is until now. Maybe I wasn't clear enough in the forever part of my manifesting because uh, she's back. Mm -hmm. Her relationship ended and she moved back to LA and I saw her at a group function recently and I about had a heart attack. Again, I have no idea what I said, but I'm pretty sure I agreed to a brunch that she never followed up on because I fully blacked out and just disassociated from my body. And I left that party and I felt like a swirling mess of anxiety for a week. Like, you know the tornado emoji on the iPhone? That was me for a full fucking week. And I kept asking myself, why the fuck is this bothering me so much? Like, why can't I get over this? Because I'm friends with plenty of people who have hooked up with the same people I have. I mean, I've literally set friends up with my exes. And I'm also friends with multiple women that my boyfriends have cheated with me on. So why was this bothering me so much? And then I realized, it's the deceit. She lied to my face, 
repeatedly. She pretended to care about my feelings, then went behind my back and did the one thing you're not supposed to do to your friends, and then continued to do it. And look, even as I think about this, the evolved part of my brain feels sorry for her because people with self-worth don't treat their friends like that. I mean, happy people do not behave this way. And I was hoping that that realization would be the unlock, that having empathy for her would somehow release me from my feelings of anger and hurt and general queasiness. But it didn't. Mm-mm. No, of course it didn't. Ugh. And as the days went by, I just, I wanted to be able to pretend like it didn't matter. But the years of therapy I've completed prevented me from doing so. And then one day, in the middle of talking about my ever-growing anxiety about running into Alyssa, I stumbled on the answer. And I want to circle back to that moment that I said we'd come back to. You know, the one that I have trouble remembering where I tried to pretend like it wasn't a big deal. Well, first off, it was a big deal. And it is a big deal. And secondly, I've realized that I have a pattern of behavior that started way back in middle school when I was severely bullied. And at that time, I pretended like the bullying didn't bother me. Because if my bullies never saw me cry, then they couldn't win. Because if people don't know that they've hurt you, they never get the satisfaction of knowing that their words mattered, that they matter. And to be honest, that was true. This pattern of behavior that I adopted did help me survive not only this middle school trauma, but future traumas. I would minimize my pain and I would act like it wasn't a big deal in situations where I felt powerless and out of control in an effort to give myself a sense of power and control. And for a long time, this really worked. But the thing about building walls is that at some point, they isolate you. And in the time that Alyssa has been gone, I've slowly been breaking down those walls, one tiny brick at a time. And her arrival back in my life forced me to confront this head on. It forced me to tell people that I care about how I felt. See, my other fear was telling people I care about and having them let me down. And if I didn't tell my friends, then they couldn't let me down. And even though I was silently suffering, somehow it felt less painful than the potential disappointment I might face with people that I love. And I wonder what this sounds like as you're hearing it. Because as I say it, it sounds both stupid and soul-crushing at the same time. And I don't know how something can be both so profound and so stupid simultaneously. Oof. And to be honest, this fear is not unwarranted. I've been reading this scientific book on how to heal a broken heart because I'm a fucking nerd. And there are actual studies that show that society at large does not value romantic relationships or romantic losses in the same way if that couple is unmarried. In other words, if Bob and I had been married and we were just like on a trial separation and Alyssa had hooked up with him, generally speaking, people would feel like that offense was way worse than what actually happened simply because Bob and I had been married, which is fucking insane, okay? For a myriad of reasons, so much so that I'm literally reading a book on it. But um, a few years ago, the University of Michigan did a study on people who had gone through breakups. They studied their brainwaves of people who were recently dumped. And these individuals had to look at photos of their exes. And according to their brain scans, the MRIs, they experienced emotional pain equivalent to that 
of unbearable physical pain. But I digress. The, the whole point is that married, unmarried, boyfriend, husband, pain is pain, hurt is hurt. Society has a lot of weird rules that we all seem to adhere to. The way I see it, today's crime is about two types of betrayal. The first is Alyssa's. And if she's somehow listening, I do hope that she's grown and evolved, and I hope that she finds love and peace again. I I really do. I don't know if I'll ever forgive her, and I know that I'm definitely never going to forget what happened, and I'm okay with this. It's not that I think that she's inherently bad or evil. I, I genuinely do wish her well. It's just that life is really short. Like, really fucking short. And I want to be able to surround myself with people who I feel safe enough calling and being vulnerable with. Which brings me to my second betrayal. I let my fear of rejection take over. I didn't trust myself to sit with my hurt and process my emotions. And I didn't allow my friends to show up for me. I was so scared of being let down that I bottled everything up And ultimately, I let myself down. (laughs) The fucking irony. And I feel like we all sort of do this. I mean, maybe not in this way, but people who have a fear of being too much or people who have a fear of not being enough both temper who they are to make themselves more palatable to others. And while this is a very personal and maybe super specific story, I think that we all have patterns of behavior in place that were originally meant to keep us safe, and they probably worked. But it's worth looking at them and asking yourselves if the walls we built as children for protection are still working, or if, in fact, they're holding us back. Because in order to be loved, we need to be seen, not just by our romantic partners, but by our friends and our family. So yes, my crime of the heart is a story about betrayal, but it's also about pain and purpose because I truly, from the bottom of my heart, believe that every hiccup, loss, or outright betrayal is a moment for growth. And when I think about Alyssa and Bob and the tangled web of hurt that I carried, I'm now going to remember it as the story that helped me confront my fears, let my guard down, and push me into being a better person in 2023. Because ultimately, I get to decide the meaning of things. And while I'm no longer choosing to minimize the things that hurt me, I'm also really fucking proud of the fact that I'm still growing and evolving, and that even when things scare me, I can choose to be vulnerable. And if any of this resonated with you, I would love to hear from you. You can leave me a comment on Spotify, on Apple, you could DM me, you could email me. And if you haven't rated the show yet, please, 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 please consider giving it five stars. It really takes less than two seconds, but who's counting? Definitely me. And before you go, I just want to say thank you for being my friends this week. (laughs) So thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next Tuesday. (laughs) 